Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. Hey everyone, today I would like to introduce you to Cecilia Yu, an integrative health coach who lives in Bangkok. We found each other on Facebook and actually connected due to our passion for health and healthy living. Cecilia is an expert in anti-inflammatory diets for children and women in immunity and she helps mothers build a healthier home environment for their families and she also conducts frequent cooking classes and workshops that are reviewed highly. So who better to talk about the benefits of the anti-inflammatory diet and its benefits for women's health. So welcome to the podcast, Cecilia. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited um, that you're here. So for our listeners, we're talking, um, we're both in the U.S. right now. So she's going to talk a little bit about what she has experienced here on her vacation. But first of all, um, what drew you to become, you know, so passionate about helping moms, like Mm -hmm. cultivate a better, healthier lifestyle? Yes, um, I think, um, well, really, my interest is ultimately about having a positive impact on this generation and the generations to come. And I think that as much as you can educate children on making informed food choices, a lot of the times it really comes down to educating the parents. And oftentimes it might be the mom, and I don't mean to sound very, um, I should say, uh, stereotypical, gender stereotypical, but a lot of times, let's face it, it is the women who are making the purchasing uh, decisions, right? A lot of the times at the grocery stores, whether it's online and offline. So um, I think it's really important to educate children as well as uh, the mothers. I see. Um, And then, so do you find more um, work to be done with mothers who, you know, they have many kids or actually even, you know, mom, brand new moms. Like, do you feel like these, these women, they kind of lack an understanding of what it means to be healthy? Um, I think that we can all learn what it means to be healthy or healthier. I mean, even myself. You know, myself as a health coach and certified culinary nutritionist, I'm always learning. Um, And definitely, I think for the general public who might not have had some of the education that we have had, you you and me, Melissa, I think that they can certainly benefit from it, um, from this kind of education, because there's just so much conflicting information out there. and sometimes much of it is wrong for the sake of profitability by these, you know, um, food and beverage companies. Yeah, that makes me feel a lot more empowered. And that's why I think, you know, we are doing the work we do because we are trying to educate like clients and our, like various people to really understand that the food industry can be really corrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of bringing it 
back to you. What's your philosophy on like healing the body? Like how did you even get into, you know, this health coaching practice? Right. Um, I really think that a lot of times, you know, what I do is a blessing, but sometimes it ha- it, it, what you have as a blessing uh, initially comes as challenges. So for me, it all started with my uh, daughter, who's now uh, nine and a half, but when she was a baby, up till about, I would say, age five or so, she was uh, always having asthmatic attacks, um, mostly induced by respiratory infections. Uh, she had allergic rhinitis. And I really didn't understand why, because I, it was not like I was feeding her any sorts of, you know, junk food. You know, we would definitely were not the kind of family that was, you know, doing, you know, uh, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, whatever. You know, I was definitely giving her, you know, lots of leafy greens and she was having her whole grains. But despite that, she was always getting sick, getting a lot of respiratory infections, which then would turn uh, into um, asthmatic episodes. And sometimes it would take her about four weeks to recover from a simple viral cold. And in that four weeks, she might spend, you know, uh, sometimes she might even spend one week in the hospital um, with an IV in her arm and then, you know, 24-7 types of um, nebulizing. So, and with with those kind of health challenges and not seeing an end to it, I was really beginning to question myself, you know, are antibiotics, steroids, antihistamines, cough suppressants, are they really the only answers to help her feel better? Because, you know, if I was to just keep going down that route, there was really no foreseeable end, which the doctor had told me that they really, they, they, they couldn't tell me when that could all end. So I started looking into the more um, natural health modules, including, you know, um, Ayurveda, you know, the Indian way of healing, um, Chinese traditional medicine, looking into homeopathic, looking into naturopathy. And even with all these different natural modules of healing, I found that they all shared common principles in terms of the nutrient densities that the body needs to heal. Mm-hmm. So the more I dwell into that and consulted a practitioner from these different natural modules, it, I, I started bringing that into our, uh, my home cooking. And I saw how my child was able to get off of all the medications. Um, she doesn't do asthma medication anymore. Um, she's rarely, she's really on antihistamine um, unless, you know, it's a really bad allergy season. Um, or unless she's in really direct contact with the allergens. And, you know, her lungs been cleared. Um, that's been, uh, how do I say, that's, that's been confirmed by uh, x-rays on an annual basis. Her lungs completely clear. Mm-hmm. And I really put it down to the type of anti-inflammatory diet that I have uh, curated for her on a daily basis. That was actually my next question, because that sounds amazing. And um, yeah, so like, what is the anti-inflammatory diet? 
So, yeah, so let me first explain what inflammation is before we go into what does the anti-inflammatory diet does. Mm -hmm. um, so all of us have inflammation and is really, uh, we should sometimes because that is our body's natural uh, defenses against pathogens, right? That's around us. And it's good to react to that, like when we have a fever or we need to cough out something or sneeze. You know, it's good. It's our body of recognizing that, yes, there's a, there's a pathogen and we need to get rid of it. But um, inflammation does become, I think, more problematic when it becomes, uh, in medical terms, more of like an autoimmune disease, uh, like asthma or even, you know, um, allergies you know, or, or any kind of like gut issues. That is when your body at a cellular level is become so inflamed due to, you know, your lifestyle, including environmental toxins, the food, lack of exercise, or um, how I should say, a lack of hydration, or even just a lack of stress um, coping. When you have all of those factors that is fueling um, the fire, what I call inflammation at a cellular level in your body, your body will overreact. And a lot of times in uh, modern medicine, we, you know, the doxos will just keep giving you endless rounds of medications to treat that. So if you don't want to go down, you know, a, a complete reliance on medication, you have to stop thinking about, well, what can I do with food, for example, you know, in, you know, in terms of bringing down my cellular inflammation. And that is what an anti-inflammatory diet does, bringing down the cellular inflammation in your body so that the body does not react so severely to, um, you know, perhaps food allergens, environmental toxins, and all that around us. That's a really um, concise explanation. Thank you for that. Um, a little note there for the audience. So when you say autoimmunity or autoimmune diseases, it's basically, you know, when our cells kind of attack its own cells, right? It recognizes it as pathogens. Um, have you kind of, do you always encounter that with, you know, the moms in your market or? Um, well, I, um, one of the niche markets that I um, help out are a lot of parents with children who have frequent respiratory issues like my daughter had. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that is a subset of, of, of my clients that does have, you know, a, a type of inflammation, and I would call that systemic inflammation. I see. Wow, that's a really good niche. And I bet that they are so happy to have you, you know, someone yeah. like them, because it's so niche, right? Like, if they go to yeah. a doctor, they would just be like, oh, this is a general thing, and I give you this okay. presentation. So, thank God that you can help them. Yeah, area. it's nice. It's nice because I feel like, like I was saying earlier that, you know, what I do now is such a blessing, but it did not start out as a blessing. It was definitely, you know, a series of challenges. 
in, in terms of what, you know, my daughter went through and what we as a family went through, because when your child is constantly sick like that, it takes a physical and mental toll on the child and also on the parents and even the relationship between spouses, because you're just completely a stress ball on a daily basis. Yeah. You don't know if your child is going to get sick or how long this you know, uh, this illness uh, might, might last this time or, oh my gosh, am I going to end up in the hospital again for this bout of illness? Yeah. And that puts stress on you yourself and on your body. Um, and <laughs> I, yeah, I think a lot of us coaches, we always start our practice with our own personal experience and mm-hmm. why we go through all these challenges and difficulties. So just like to let people know that we're not just, you know, living like a really healthy life from this, <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. No, we have just, you know, we're not perfect. Uh, we're just, you know, in, in a space and time, in a position to just share our learnings. That's all it is, you know, and, 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 and I feel so blessed to be able to do that for others. Yeah, I'm, I'm so blessed to have you on my podcast right now. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so um, I recently actually, um, you know, talked a little bit about the anti-inflammatory diet on my blog, but mm. I just kind of want to hear from you. Uh, when you kind of, you know, tell or guide someone to do it, what are, what are the first steps they should do? What does it consist of? You know, what does it look like for their lifestyle? Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, now that we know what, you know, inf- inflammation is, and when we go on an anti-inflammatory diet, I'm basically saying first, remove um, all the inflammation-inducing types of food in your diet. I mean, obviously, you know, our bodies become addicted to certain types of these food. And it's not wise or feasible to tell somebody to suddenly go cold turkey, to completely quit all of them. So it's all about baby steps. So I work a lot with my clients on like, okay, what can you really let go of right now? And what can we substitute it with? So uh, some very common inflammatory um, foods that bring systemic inflammation at a cellular level for all of us, whether we're a baby, uh, a toddler, you know, young child, teenager, woman, man, whatever. This this is a human being, you know. Um, The foods that bring in uh, inflammation for us are uh, soy-based, especially, you know, um, the uh, the, the GMO ones, Mm -hmm. okay, Uh, soy-based foods. Quick question about soy-based. So I... I, I know that soy, you know, in the U.S. is very genetically modified, but I've always, I've always wondered about Asia, um, you know, because we grew up in Asia and we ate a lot of soy mm-hmm. growing up. Um, what do you know or, you know, what do you think about having soy in Asia? Is there a difference? You know, I, I honestly, I have to say I, I am not completely, I think, sold on one side of the fence or another, you know, because obviously you have, no, I should say definitely don't go for the GMO soy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now is all soy bad for you. Um, no, I would say fermented organic or, you know, non GMO treated soy. It's fine. I mean, look at the Japanese, 
you know, they definitely, <laughs> you know, have a known for longevity. You know, look at the people in Okinawa. You know, they are one of those places where there's the highest rate of longevity. And they definitely taken a lot of soy. But yeah. at the same time, I think that, you know, we shouldn't say, okay, soy is definitely the lifelong guarantee. You know? Um, it's so never I, one factor, that's why. <laughs> it's one factor. And if you're going to eat soy, I would say make sure that it's organic. Or if it's not certified organic, make sure that it's um, definitely not GMO. And there are different levels of soy. And I think that is best to eat, you know, miso paste, you know, or even tempeh, you know, which is a fermented kind of soy um, versus, you know, a soybean. Right. You know, or even soy milk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think was as with soy, I think it's okay to keep it at moderation as well, even if you were going the organic route. Um, yeah. So soy, soy being one of the one of the um, common uh, inflammatory induced food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want me to name the other ones? Should I go on and name the other ones? Yeah. Just, just. Okay. Just yeah. I can uh, guess, but I think everyone knows a big one, but just. Yeah, I think a lot of people know, but I'll just say for the sake of sake, because there are some people who are like, oh, no, it's not. Um, I would even say, um, I would say sugar, including natural sweeteners. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because something might have, that is not made in a lab and it's a natural sweetener, even like a date, you know, or like maple syrup, you know, at the end of the day, sugar is sugar is sugar. You know, you do not want to be like, the only difference between a natural sweetener and a artificial sweetener or like corn, you know, corn syrup is that, you know, the natural sweetener might just have a little bit more vitamins and minerals, but we still need to be mindful because it does, you know, taken in huge consumptions and on a frequent basis, it definitely drives up, um, it definitely drives up um, the insulin level in your body, which over the long term can get your pancreas to work harder than it should and then that can lead to a lot of adrenaline fatigue and pre-diabetes and then ultimately diabetes and heart issues mm-hmm. and, also, and also pcos so majority 80 percent of women with pcos you know it's linked to insulin resistance and this is probably a good reason to, a good place to bring it up yeah i mean I mean, I always say, yes, it's great that, you, you know, when my client said, I'm not eating white sugar or even brown sugar anymore. Guess what? I'm having maple syrup. And I'm like, great. But then they show me these recipes that requires, you know, a half cup of maple syrup or, you know, or even one fourth cup of maple syrup into their like pancake mix. But they're doing that every day. Yeah. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, that is still too much, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's not only the quality now, it's sugar, you know, when it comes to sugar, it's also the quantity, right? Exactly, exactly. So we, we have to be mindful of that as well. So sugar and soy, and then the other thing is um, gluten, because, you know, the body is not meant to really digest gluten at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, gluten, that's the other source of information. Um, just, yeah, pro- anything that's processed, um, uh, hydrogenated oils or the bad oils. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even I would say corn, wheat. Yeah. Yeah, like those I feel are the big ones. And dairy, I'm sorry, and dairy for some oh, people. Oh yes, dairy is a big dairy. one too. Yeah, dairy. Mm-hmm. And it's great because I recently I read a post on the New York Post, and they were saying that the plant-based, uh, you know, non non-dairy milks they're actually increasing in revenue. A lot of people are turning to plant-based milks and cheese, mm. and the dairy industry is actually losing money. They've lost a billion dollars compared to 2017. But I think the one thing we need to also be careful is of it's like, okay, you can go from switching from something that might be bad for your body to an over-reliance on something that might also have additives in them. You know, like you talked about the plant-based milk, you know? I mean, walk to the supermarket and I see definitely like lots of cartons of like organic almond milk, organic walnut milk, organic cashew milk, organic rice milk. But, you know, you look at that and a lot of that, one of the first ingredients is cane, you know, cane sugar. (laughs) So, you know, you're getting, you know, the great minerals, right? And and vitamins from these plant-based ingredients. But then along with that, you're getting all this other stuff as well and the emulsifiers so yeah it always boils down to i feel like looking at labels and then if you're you know able to make it at home just make it at home right like that's the best exactly exactly and it's really not so hard to make it i mean i always have this listen i mean I, i i think it sounds a little harsh it might sound a little harsh but the way i see it is that you know, if we all have about half an hour to scroll through Facebook or Instagram, whatever your choice of <laughs> social media preference, yeah. uh-huh. you, you know, in that half an hour, you could have made like, you could have made almond milk, honestly, and meal prep for the next day. I, yeah, I agree. Like almond milk is so easy to make or any nut milks or yeah. Yeah, just basically putting together a meal it's less than it takes me 15 minutes yes yeah right i mean you don't need to make i think people have this perception that when you eat healthy it's gotta be like this gourmet Mm. christmas dinner you know thanksgiving easter you know lunch style and it doesn't really have to be right and a lot of it also comes from influence from like instagram and all that right like played it beautifully they think that oh i need like all these superfoods or specific ingredients yeah exactly no no i mean i and a lot of times we i think we have to remember that you know with instagrams and facebook i mean you know it comes with filters You know, so it looks really wonderful. And I'll be first to admit it. Even I filter some of my photos so that it's more pleasing to the eyes. <laughs> you know? Like, do we have to do that every day? No. Like, we, we don't need to have it look like our plate comes from, you know, five aisles of the health supermarket. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then I... I also want to dive a little bit into the vegetable part of the inflammatory yeah. diet because I feel like maybe you can share, you know, one or two recipes on like how to cook vegetables. I feel like people are very foreign to vegetables. They're like, uh, they're raw. I don't know how to cook them or like, I don't know how to eat vegetables if they're not in a salad. 
Right, right, right. You know, it's, it's interesting that you said that because um, a lot of times when, you know, we're trying to go um, help, you know, more like healthier route, you know, the first thing that comes to people's mind is like, okay, I'm going to start eating a salad. And that's really, it. it's like an end all be all. And then a month later, they're off of it. Because let's be honest, who can be on a salad diet forever? It's not sustainable. You might lose 10 pounds in one, one month because you're just eating iceberg lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> oil and, you know, fresh lemon juice, but yeah. it's not sustainable. I mean, we have to constantly um, um, uh, entice our own taste buds. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of very simple ways of whipping up um, vegetables in you know, 30 minutes or less. I mean, you can roast some vegetables. Okay, maybe some roasting vegetables. Maybe it's like 40 minutes. But it's like really only five minutes of prep work. And then you walk away from the oven, right? Like it's only like literally five minutes and like you walk away from the oven and do other things. Oh, you can go back to like scrolling your social media, Facebook or something. (laughs) Um, But um, you can roast a lot of root vegetables like beetroots and sweet potatoes and turnips and carrots, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can totally roast that um, by seasoning it with some coconut oil um, or olive oil and um, some fresh herbs, whatever suits your taste buds in terms of herbs mm-hmm. and spices. Yeah. Just pop into the oven and it's done. You walk away and you got your vegetables. Um, and then in terms of leafy greens, really... I mean, short of me, you know, even giving a DIY sauce, I think with the leafy greens, um, you can just chop them up very quickly, mince some garlic or some mince some fresh ginger and saute it with a little sea salt, olive oil. Mm-hmm. And that's I like it. Add a little basil to that. Yeah, add a little basil. I mean, or like, I love one of my favorite vegetable dishes is just so simple, like snap, fresh snap peas or snow pea pods. Um, just uh, saute that lightly with um, olive oil and a little sea salt and a little like fresh mint and that's it. If you want, add in like some sliced almonds on the top. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. ginger. Uh huh. Yeah, and you don't even need to cut those vegetables. The snap pea pods. <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you just yeah. <laughs> that's and I think that whole thing like from from. From washing to cooking, it's literally like five to seven minutes. That's always a bonus, right? If people, you know, they're like, oh, I don't need to peel the skin. I don't need to cut. Like, that's a bonus for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't need to dice and slice. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I don't need to make like a puree. Oh, okay, cool. I can do that. Exactly. Exactly. Vegetables is not, I mean, it can literally be as convenient as peeling a banana. Mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. <laughs> and do you do like you know vegetable smoothies, like green smoothies as well? You know, to be honest, I'm not. I, I like smoothie, but it's not something that I consume regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do do a smoothie, I do like to add in my vegetables. Yeah. So I'll put in. Yeah, I will usually do um, at least um, a three, like three three types of vegetables and maybe one fruit because I always try to not make it so sweet and drive up um, the insulin level with too much sweet from the um, fruits. Yeah. So sometimes, 
side note on that green smoothie, I, I see a lot of, you know, juice places. They're like, oh, it's a green smoothie. But, you know, more of the ingredients are fruits and like apples and pineapple. Exactly. exactly. And like they're one, trying to cut off that exactly. taste, right? But yeah, you're not, you're really not drinking vegetables. No, you're really not. It could be like literally I'm, I'm watching these people as they make it. And I feel like I need to get to the other side of the counter. Like, can I just dump something? <laughs> Let me do it. Let me do it. Yeah, yeah. And and on a side note, here's another thing. I people like some of my clients will say, yes, but I bought that green powder. Does that count? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's I, mean, a big I guess. One. Yeah. Like I. Yeah, okay, well, definitely is definitely more anti-inflammatory, right, than, um, let's say, putting in, like, I don't know, corn uh, corn syrup, or it's definitely more anti-inflammatory right. than, I don't know, name some other stuff, like, um, um, I don't like know, chips, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what, like, if you really look at the... Um, the ingredients even in those green powder shake I mean, a lot of times has other stuff and it's is you know i always feel like you should always eat food alive you know it has that vitality that energy in it you know and i think it's always best to take something fresh off of mother earth you know from the ground yeah and put it into a blender than something that has been completely dehydrated and the nutrients have definitely been lost because I think especially a lot of these vegetables, we do it for like vitamin C, right? But vitamin C, which is actually a very useful anti-inflammatory, um, uh, how is she say, anti-inflammatory constituent. It's very powerful, but it's also a very sensitive vitamin, uh, heat sensitive vitamin and very sensitive to handling. So... You know, as soon as you, you know, slice a vegetable or, you know, cut up an orange or whatever, that vitamin C gets lost very quickly. So you imagine, you know, all that green powder sitting in a container that, you know, has, um, that will not expire until a year from now. I mean, and that really doesn't have much of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And they will probably put preservatives, you know, to extend its shelf life. And some of them, they have so many fortified nutrients. Like, you know, they will probably lose all the nutrients and then they have to like add it back in. Um, right. Right. And they, you know, and, and it, if the label says that it does have lots of vitamin C, mm -hmm. I highly doubt, wouldn't you agree, Melissa, that I highly doubt that that vitamin C was literally coming from that plant that just got dehydrated and grinded into powder. I yeah. think that vitamin C is synthetically added back in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which, as we all know, like the body doesn't really recognize synthetic um, um, vitamins. I mean, yeah, it, it just won't recognize it and you'll just excrete it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, even one of my clients, you know, she's like, "Oh, I take like a power greens every day," and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it's still like a step up, but I feel like you can yeah. do better. We can still do better, right?" And you know, um, and you know, it's so easy because you know, if I mean, if you are somebody that's really into smoothies, you know, one really um convenient way to make sure that you're on top of your game and doing your healthy smoothies is prepare your veggies and fruits ahead of time per a smoothie right and then you just pack it package it up in a you know um in a mason jar or something and freeze it yeah and then you label it for like monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday whatever and just you know and then whatever day it is you just take it out 
dump it into your juicer or your blender, and there you have it. Yeah, and it's great that you brought that up because uh, it reminded me of the biggest trouble that people, or like the biggest kind of obstacle that stops people from meal prepping is because they are like, oh, I have to prepare so many things. But, you know, doing the advanced preparation sets people up for um, making their own meal so much better. Yeah, and you know, I think people, and I did too, when I first learned about this whole meal prepping, right, in the beginning of my health journey, I said, yeah. you know, because when you read up about meal prepping, and honestly, a lot of the times is written and advised in such a way you have to prepare something for a week ahead. I mean, honestly, like who has a refrigerator that size, but, you know, aside from everything else, right, in your fridge? And if you're a family with, you know, even just one kid, who has the space to put in all that stuff, right? So yes. I think it's just take a baby step at a time. Just be like, okay, meal prep. What's doable for me? And maybe it's just, you know, the next day, three meals. Okay, so be it. At least you have prepared three meals ahead of time. Like, I don't think that we should try to overstretch ourselves when it comes to meal planning because then it doesn't become sustainable yeah yeah definitely i think that's like a beginner step and then once yeah. you're comfortable with it then you can be like you know whatever just go for more um yeah, yeah that's a good one i kind of want to um talk a little bit about gut health because i feel like yeah. that's, you know kind of linked to the anti-inflammatory part mm. um, so could you share a little bit about gut health, digestion, and how that plays a part in, you know, in disease and like also in like weight loss? Mm, yeah, I think um, so gut health is certainly, if, uh, if not equally important, I think it's actually more important than what we eat. I think we are, is more important um, to, to think about how are we even digesting what we eat? Because you can have a whole rainbow of vegetables, you know, uh, a day. And, but if your body, your gut is not digesting, absorbing that, mm-hmm. you, you're really going nowhere, you know? So, um, so I think that any um, anti-inflammation fighting protocol should always address the gut health. Uh, it was one of the pillars. And with gut health, you know, there's the fermented food, I think, that we should be eating regularly. Uh, we should be taking probiotics, a good quality probiotics. And I think we definitely should eat a lot of foods that are prebiotic-based so that our um, probiotics in our gut are manifesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I think it's especially it will hit those women or people who, you know, try so hard to eat a healthy diet and they're like, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm still feeling bloated. And, yeah. But I, I'm like, but and they're like, but I had a bunch of salad, like just leafy greens and carrots. But why am I feeling bloated? You know, but yeah. there's something going on in your body that mm-hmm. still needs a little bit of a, of a fine tune. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so besides fermented foods, are there any other vegetables that are great for pre at the source of prebiotics? 
Yeah. So, okay. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's just um, for some of the um, people who are listening, they may not be um, very familiar about prebiotics, fermented and probiotics. This is totally sometimes three different terminologies that, that, that some people yeah. are like, <laughs> like these girls are crazy. We don't even know what most of soy are saying right now. Like they've got, they take us to like dive off the deep end. <laughs> so, um, so first off, um, probiotics are, you know, the oh no, no, no let me let me back up. Um, so our gut, our gut is made of good and bad bacteria, mm-hmm. and that's just a natural part of humans, you know. Um, and. But I think what we need to be uh, mindful and ensure of is that our good bacteria balance uh, exceeds our bad bacteria in our gut. And to do that, you have to ensure that you have your probiotics, your prebiotics, and your fermented foods. Mm-hmm. So your probiotics a lot of times might come in um, just capsules or even in um, um, yogurt, you know, um, whether it's dairy based or even um, plant based, you know, or vegan, whatever, you know, that that is your probiotics. So that introduces the good bacteria into your guts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really important to do that, especially if you've had a round of antibiotics. So even a round of like any types of strong medication, those antibiotics or just regular medications or not, I think it definitely destroys our good gut bacteria. Yeah. So it just makes sure that you you are um, regular or, or you have a routine of taking a good quality probiotics. Um, but for those good guys, those, those good uh, bacteria, the probiotics to grow in your gut and to have more of their friends to come along, you know, to join them, these good bacteria, you have to feed them prebiotics, right? right. So. Prebiotics is, you know, coming from a lot from like um, onions, chives, um, leeks, garlic, um, even bananas, um, a lot of the leafy greens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that is your prebiotics that helps to uh, manifest the amount of probiotics in your guts to kind of keep it growing. Yeah. And then comes to fermented foods, you know, the fermented foods is kind of like, you know, um, that creates a, a nurturing environment for your probiotics and your prebiotics to, um, to flourish in your gut. Um, it creates the ideal environment kind of. And, um, you know, your fermented food, like I've, we've mentioned earlier, like miso paste, tempeh, it can be sauerkraut, it can be kimchi, mm-hmm. um, kombucha, kefir, I mean, just make sure that, you know, they are either homemade so you know, like, what's going into them. Um, and Or if you're buying from somebody, just make sure that it doesn't have other stuff added in. Um, actually, I want to take this time to talk a little bit about the kombucha. Just yeah. as a little side note is that kombucha is a great fermented food to introduce into the body, right? Um, but a lot of times... You know, if you, I don't, like some brands taste really, really sweet. And that's yeah. because it has not been fermented enough. And, and for something to ferment, it does need sugar. Mm-hmm. But if it tastes a little too sweet, it hasn't been fermented enough. So you're really just drinking sugar. Yeah, I agree with that. Because <laughs> um, I make my whole, my own kombucha at home. And then sometimes it does take, 
you know, it does taste a little too sweet. And then I have to like put it back into the fermentation uh, phase for about three more days. And then it gets like exactly. a little bit more tart and then that's ready to go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you can tell the difference, right? In the taste. Yeah, totally. It's like, and yeah. some of them, you yeah. know, some of the store-bought kombuchas, some of them, you know, they're really good. But then other brands, uh, I'm not going to name brands, but like some of them, they, I don't know if they add like color or something. It looks so beautifully red or like so beautifully, yeah. you know, like I'm just like, uh, are you really using like real ingredients there? Right. So like in theory, right, kombucha is an anti-inflammatory food because it's fermented. It's got like great amount of probiotics in there too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, depending on how long the fermentation process is, it might actually be adding more inflammation. Right. Right. In the yeah. body because of the sugar residual that is still left in that drink. It was not left long enough to go, to go through the fermentation process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, great. So that's like, you know, that's a huge part of gut health. And I feel like we can talk about gut health for a really long time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even autoimmune diseases, you know, like leaky gut, like celiac disease and all that, you yeah. know, stem from, you know, inflammation. Right, right. I mean, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'll just divert also a little bit about on the gut health. So like I'm not an expert on the other areas, like my niche is nutrition, but I would even mention to people that, you know, it's not just nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. That, that impacts our gut is also um, our other lifestyle factors, you know, like how well do we handle stress? Because, you know, we all have stress, Yeah. but you know, but it's, it's our ability to cope with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because, you know, when you have experienced too much anxiety, your body is not able to go into a rest and digest mode, which is so important, right, for gut health. Because when it's not able to go, when you're too anxious, your, your food is not digesting. It's just rotting. So whatever you're eating, it's just, you're not even getting that vitamin because you're too stressed out. Your body is focused on just trying to deal with the stress that you mentally can't. Therefore, your body doesn't have the energy to digest. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought, you know, this topic of stress um, because, you know, uh, during my program, uh, my first stage will be to kind of do the whole anti-inflammatory diet, balance the hormones. And actually the second stage is stress management. And this is because it really affects, you know, the body on like a very cellular level. Yes, definitely. And I think that a lot of my clients can also speak to this because, you know, I deal a lot with moms too. And when you've got young kids, oh my gosh, I mean, you encounter stress that's not even sometimes written in those like baby books, you know, like what to expect (laughs) Um, um, as a mother. So, I mean, you're experiencing stress on a whole different level that does not come with an instructional manuals. And if you're not dealing with that well, it, your gut definitely takes a hit. And, you know, and, and I'll say that again, you know, as health coaches, we're not perfect. Yeah, sometimes when I'm a little too stressed, my gut definitely takes a hit, despite my healthy diet that I'm telling you guys to, you know, all follow, despite my healthy anti-inflammatory diet. When I am stressed and, you know, I ha- and I haven't taken the time out, to relax and let my body to rest and digest, I'm definitely even experiencing a little acid reflux. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely not perfect. I agree. 
Um, no. <laughs> as much as we would like to think so, but no. no, we're not. We're not. I think we're just. I mean, with us, it's like okay. At least we kind of know what the triggers are. <laughs> but we're humans too, right? Um, we're not perfect, but at least we feel blessed that we have the knowledge on hand to recognize. Like, oh, okay. You yeah. know, like I gotta quit doing that now. It's that. <laughs> Um, so I guess actually one last part of the anti-inflammatory diet portion that I want to address. Um, do you kind of support the intake of like red meat or like meat in general? Mm. I feel like yeah. a lot of people will ask me this, so I'm definitely going to ask mm. you first. <laughs> you know what? Like if you are vegan or you're full on vegetarian and meat is not your thing, I'm not going to try to comfort you. You know, yeah. but just make sure that you're getting quality protein and quality iron from a different source, okay? Mm -hmm. you, because your cells, your cellular growth and your metabolism, all that, it needs that, okay? Um, red meat does provide protein. Not just red meat, just meat in general um, does provide um, the essential amino acids for your cells to grow and repair. And our cells are getting damaged on a daily basis. Even if you're leading a healthy lifestyle, we can't control the air we breathe in. Sometimes we can't even control the water that we're showering with, right? The quality of water, the quality of water we're drinking. Yeah. So our body is definitely taking a hit. And, you know, one of the ways to make sure that it's growing back, you know, when it when your body does take in the right nutrients is that it needs a protein mm -hmm. so red meat or just any kind of meat um provides that and if you're not eating that then make sure that you're getting it from a plant-based sources you know um or a variety of plant-based sources you know like quinoa or buckwheat you know right legumes you know um and if you are eating red meats, um, I would certainly uh, strongly suggest that, you know, you uh, source a clean, clean, clean red meat, you know, make sure as, as often as possible that it's organic and grass fed. Yeah. From a clean yeah. yeah. Especially if, if you are even eating like the organs of, 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 of an animal, you know, like a lot of people make bone broth, for example. Yeah. Like, like if that cow is not, you know, it's factory farmed um, and you're making bone broth because you want to, you know, benefit from the minerals that the bones provide mm -hmm. or, you know, or the organs that it provide. Well, if it's, you know, a factory farm cow that's been fed on very questionable diet, you're probably introducing all those toxins into your body. Yeah, it's crazy how like, you know, as consumers, and we've talked about this uh, just before the recording, that consumers, you know, we are really at the mercy of advertising and we really need to take, mm -hmm. take it into our own hands to be more educated about this and make conscious choices. Um, they have to have that conscious choice of choosing the quality foods, the right quantity, yep. know what to do to know what yep. to do and not just, you know, shop in the main aisles of the supermarket. So I'm glad no. you, you have to like kind of go on the peripherals. My, I mean, it, it's amazing how as I started more, you know, go down further and further on this health journey, how I'm just completely 
like omitting, (laughs) you know, everything else but the peripherals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of the supermarket because they're just I mean I I think I read a study somewhere is it that like 75 to 80 percent of the of the modern supermarket um I think it's probably this is like more like modern supermarket that is like more westernized mm-hmm. is 75 to 80 percent is all processed foods yeah that's so crazy that's really crazy mm-hmm. and it's all for the sake of you know convenience and time which now these days is a luxury to have time, you know? Yeah. And a lot of, you know, big corporations that may not have the consumer's um, health in mind, they actually invest in the supermarkets. So in the way, the supermarkets, sometimes they are also kind of forced or like they feel like they have to kind of stock certain products. Yeah. By these big brands. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think consumers are aware of that. No, they're not. And, you know, and I think it gets even a little bit more tricky and conflicting when you read or, or see a product being advertised that is, let's say, oh, is, is sponsored or advocated or, or supported by the American Heart Association, the American Cancer Society. So you're thinking, oh, well, then that must be great for me, you know? Yeah. And but a lot of times, I'm not saying that what they do is entirely wrong because obviously they are doing some good stuff. But they also have to realize that a lot of these um, big health promoting organizations also have lobbyists too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, some, and that's yeah. a whole other topic. That's a whole, that's, yeah, that's a whole different like podcast episode. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, everything is politically driven, guys. Even your food. Just just remember that. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I think, you know, I mean, science is evolving and even us as health coaches and, and me as a culinary nutritionist, I, I'm constantly learning too. And I think, I think knowledge is power. Um, and a lot of times it's also you have to look at the source of the knowledge too. Is it a independent, you know, um, finding? Or is it, you know, supported for it by, because of, you know, whatever financial interests? Yeah, I agree. So I think that's a great way to kind of wrap it up. Wow. Uh, but, but I do want to um, get you to just you know, recommend what is the one thing that women who have been listening to our podcast could do to actually reduce inflammation in the body. So just like one thing to start off. One thing to start off to... Um, reduce inflammation in the body. Yeah. Can I name more than one? (laughs) You can name your top three. I know there are so many. (laughs) No, okay. Then I'll just name one, you know, okay. Because, you know, it's all about, like, baby steps, right? Um, I would say cut out the sugar. Cut out the sugar. Um, Okay, first, okay, go from maybe processed white sugar to, um, you know, natural sweetener. And brown sugar is, by the way, is not a natural sweetener. It is just white sugar with a little bit of, um, I would say, um, what is that? Black molasses left on it. Because yeah. the black molasses is yeah, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. nutrient that you need of the sugar. Uh, uh, but 
is really brown sugar is just white sugar uh, with a little bit less of the nutrients being the black molasses on it. Mm -hmm. So um, cut out the sugar and you can take baby steps by going, you know, replacing your your craving for sugar with, you know, just um, natural sweeteners. Um, and uh, what is that? I can never pronounce his name. Agaf syrup. Oh, no. Agave? Yeah. Agave syrup. No, that is, is like highly processed. Like, it's a plant. By the time it gets to you, though, however, it's highly processed. Yeah. By the time it gets to you from that plant, usually it's highly processed. So, no. So, stay away from that. But whatever natural sweeteners that you're doing, I would advise the women to keep it at a minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can keep it at a minimal and you still have that craving for the sweetness, I would then look into, okay, are, are you eating enough protein to regulate your blood sugar level so that you're not having that hunger pain for something sweet in your mouth? Right. Okay. So, um, and yeah. if you, yeah, I think, and also if you just need a little bit more like taste, then go for savory. Um, add herbs and spices in there. I love herbs and spices. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So quit the sugar or minimize it and replace mm-hmm. with herbs and spices um, and by having more quality protein in your diet. Okay. That's such great advice. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think it's very clear explanation. I feel like listeners would get a lot out of it. Um, so if, you know, if they want to ask you questions or if they want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on um, Facebook right now. Um, just look up um, Cecilia Yu, and then you just do a search Cecilia Yu, a dose of vitamin L. So I'll repeat that again Cecilia Yu, C E C I L I A Y U is my last name. And then um, along with that search, you just put in A, the letter A, and then dose, D O S E, of of vitamin L, L for love. Oh, so I knew that was L for love. That is so good. I love that. Yeah, love. I mean, you can have all the nutrients you 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 want, but if there is no love, you know, behind the intentions, your body's not going to be nourished, is it? Yeah, totally. Oh, this is such a great conversation. And for all of you out there, Cecilia is really good at replying on Facebook. So if you just want to drop (laughs) a message, she's right on it. She will like reply you quick and easy. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I I kind of usually do try to reply within, um, Within, I think, 48 hours, unless there's an emergency. So, um, if yeah, people can personal message me, uh, Facebook message me, or just drop me something, comment on any of my, you know, um, ideas and photos that I share on my Facebook page. Um, I will definitely try to reply within 48 hours. Nice. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And um, it really is such a blessing to be able to share what we do with others and um, really make a, a, a greater impact, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, on this world. Yeah, so, I'm so glad that we can share yeah. this and share a message to the world. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for having me. <laughs> 
Okay, no problem.